scores! Gilmore scores! Off the glass, in left corner to Aguila. Aguila in the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by Aguila. Three bounds, another shot. They score! The Blades win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts! Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Aaron Vickers. All right, we are underway this hour. It's Thursday, May 4th, as we welcome you into our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Steinberg, Vickers, along with you. Flames Talk underway this hour, and uh, we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's uh, also bring in... Hi, Vicks. First hey, of buddy. All. What's shaking? Not much, and uh, we've got a special guest in studio with us. Thursdays with Brent Cron, uh, our NHL goaltending analyst and all-round smart human being. Uh, Croner's with us. What's up, Croner? We, uh, we should probably come up with, uh, I mean, it's too late now, but we might need to come up with a crafty name for this segment. You know what? Let me think on that. Yeah. I have a few ideas, but I would probably want to bounce them off you guys on, in, uh, on a private communication. In more, of first. A, uh, yeah. in more of a private forum. There would be a lot more to, to like it start than just with the, name. the high, and then we can't say that on air, we can't right. say that on air, we can't right. say that on air. And it would have to, there would have to be some kind of innuendo attached to it as well, where you, you could, it could lead you to a multiple... Double entendre? Oh. oh, a oh multi- I brought my A-game today, buddy. Um, I heard you were coming. A multitude. A multitude? Yeah. Pat, do you have one? No, I don't. I'm okay. Just, we're covered. I'm just marveling at you. You actually stopped honestly. listening here for a while. No, I, I glazed right over and tuned yeah. out. Um, what, uh, what was your reaction when you found out Monday about Daryl Sutter being fired by the team? I was actually shocked. I really was. I was I, honestly, full disclosure, I was blown away because you know, tree living had been here for nine years Yeah, and, and every, the thing is what, what bothers me about this whole thing is everything is just so public. You know, there's, you, you could see the turmoil in the organization dressing whatever yeah. you, you didn't know there was something missing all season long. You could kind of, from what we could see, just watching games and, Listening to media availability and guys talking, there was there was a lot of missing pieces with this hockey club, and then Tree Living leaving. I think it was good. It was a good move for him because he'd been here for a long time. He, I think, he'd kind of done as much as he could do, and a fresh start for him is probably the best thing for his his career. Yep. But I assumed then, I assumed then, as soon as they they made the decision, well, it's it's either Daryl or Brad, and they're sticking with Daryl because Tree Living's leaving. So now it's okay. Well, now it's Daryl's ship to run. That's what I thought, honestly, right away. It's like, okay, well, that we, we kind of knew if there was going to be a power struggle, probably Daryl was going to win that one. So I was completely shocked. That's just me being a fan. That's just me not having no inside information, just judging from what I see. And then he's gone too. Um, it needed to happen, I think. I think that room was so bad. And I don't blame Daryl for all of it. I don't. I, don't, I think he mismanaged a lot of things this year. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't blame him 100% for how things go. I, I, I'm disappointed in, in the leadership of the Calgary Flames players. I really am. Because if, if, you know, for, first of all, I mean, Daryl's, Daryl's, uh, he's, he's an intimidating guy, right? He, he knows his stuff. You're not going to outsmart him. You're not going to talk your way out of things. He, he, yep. he's, he's, he knows exactly what players he has, what they're good at and what they're not before you even know it, right? Like you're not going to bluff him. But my, my disappointment was, is, you know, if there's, if there's leadership in that room and maybe this happened and I don't know, but, if, but you know, Hubert O's agent coming out this season and basically saying how, you know, his, 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 
player wasn't happy and there was a bunch of issues with that and the whole Peltier thing. Um, I just wish if there was leadership in that room, they would go to Daryl and say, I'm actually really upset with how you're doing things. This is why. And have a grown man conversation with what's going on. And like I said, maybe that happened and it didn't go anywhere. I don't know. But the rift had grown so big and you could just see it between their star players that something had to happen and you're not going to get rid of an $80 million salary over a $4 million coach. And that's just kind of where we're at. It never felt like there was this controversy or that thing happening, this distraction, that distraction. From my perspective, anyways, it never felt like the team collectively, whether that's just the room or the room and the coaching staff, but it never felt like, all right, guys, let's bunker down and it's us against the world mentality. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing, though, too. I've played for coaches that we didn't like, and you either rally around them and just say, we don't like this. We're going to play in spite of this man. The Bob Hartley thing, almost. Agreed. Or you're going to completely just self-sabotage and individuals, well, you know, Huberto's season was, by his standards and by everybody else's, was a terrible season. Yep. And for, you know, what what bothered me about that, and we don't know enough about the guy, but at the end of the season, you know, Daryl's still the head coach, and he says, our relationship is good, but we're, we're fine. The second that Daryl is let go, he's doing media availability. Well, he didn't put me in the right position to succeed. He didn't do this. He didn't do this. I would just like to see if you're a leader just to have more. He didn't have a great year. And yes, that was probably a lot to do with the relationship between him and Daryl. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to come out and just kind of point the finger, oh, it's my, my boss's fault. He didn't let me succeed. And that very well may be the case, but you are also a professional hockey player. And so what this is all done now, it's a clean slate and it's put the onus back on the players now. Okay, yeah. now you got yeah. you got everything you wanted. Oh yeah, you got absolutely everything you wanted. So next year, when you're scoring sixty five goals, what's your excuse? And this team has been through a lot of coaches, right? A ton of coaches, and the core is pretty much dismantled, right? The 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 Kachucks and the Gaudreaux and the Monahans and Giordano. If you want to go back that like, far, so they're gone. So your new core. Uh, is, is now moving forward. You have no excuse. You got what you wanted. Clean slate. Now we're going to get all these guys back, apparently, that didn't want to come back if Daryl was around. It's just a, to me, it's a bit of a spineless way. I, I get it. Don't get me wrong. But I just think it's a spineless way to go about it. Now the onus is on the players. So if they perform next year and everything's great, it's the right move. But if it's if it doesn't transpire that way, yeah, then that's... That's that's on them. Well, that's one of the things that I think first came to mind when we found out the news on Monday. And and it had been this two-week stretch where we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, ever since Brad Living stepped away and they had the news conference and Don Maloney was introduced as president of Hockey Ops and he said, I'm undertaking a thorough review. It's exactly what they did. And they, they dove in. They talked to players. They talked to staff members. They talked to the training staff, assistant coaches. Agents. Agents. Like it it became a, a real fact-finding mission to see how much of a problem this really was. And and I think two things are, are true here at the same time. Number one, I think they had to make this move because as, as you talk about, a new core going forward, if you're, you, you've invested millions in Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdo and Mackenzie Weger, and you're trying to retain Elias Lindholm and a few others, then your new core going forward can't be at odds with your coach. So on the one hand, yeah, this had to happen. But on the other hand, no, The one of the other things that 
we've been saying right since Monday is, okay, this is the right move. This had to happen. But to your point, now spotlight's on the players. General manager's gone. Coach is gone. GM left on his own accord. Coach was fired. Well, this group of players is what remains. And yeah, they'll have a new coach and a new general manager, but the onus is, is now very much on them to make this a much better season and to be a whole lot closer to the high expectations we had going into the season. Yeah, well, and and so be it. Now now we'll see where everybody... They don't have this this option at the end of next season now. They've got... The, the mutinies happened. They've, they've complained and whined, and it could, a lot of it could be justified. I'm not saying it's not, but I, I, what bothers me is how public it was and how obvious it was to everybody that there was a rift between players and coach, right? And now that that's out of the way, whoever they bring in, whether it's Mitch Love or... What I mean, we, the 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 list is kind of endless right now, and mm-hmm. the longer it, it takes, kind of simplifies who's going next. Um, it's up to you now. And now they want a players coach, but the, but the, but the Flames have had a players coach before too. They had Glenn Gulton here, and for the first year, it was awesome because he's a players coach. He's a he's not buddy buddy, but he's approachable. He's nice. And then they bring in Bill Peters, and he was a bit more on their case, and then that didn't work out, and. Now we're going to go back to this, and then we're going to go to this. It's Jeff like, Ward, well, how yeah. many times are we going to flip-flop? How, how, how many times are we going to cater to the mob until you guys can't get your, you know what, together? Let me ask you this, because I've seen this narrative, social media, message boards, Reddit, since the firing of Daryl Sutter. And a lot of the narrative has shifted that I've seen to, well, now it's the inmates running the asylum. You've been in rooms at elite levels of hockey, not suggesting you've been in this particular Calgary, Calgary Flames room. But what do you make of the inmates running the asylum narrative now? Well, it, but it, it's the case. It's, it's what's what's happening right now. They're they're they they voiced your, their opinion. The problem is, is too is a lot of these core guys have uh, a year left on their contract right. too, right? So so what's that going to say when a guy like Backlund's been with this team for a long period of time and he's he's not a stud, but he's been around for a while. He's had good seasons. He's a he's a important member of this team, yeah. saying that. You know, I may not be coming back. Lindholm, I may not be coming back. DeFoley's got one more more year on his deal. Loves Daryl. Like, you you know, right, he, yeah. he, he broke his teeth, or cut his teeth, sorry, not broken, in this league with Daryl in L.A. And so you kind of go through all that kind of stuff, and you, you got guys that don't want to play for him, and so they voice their opinion. And Don Maloney, going through his evaluation, they, they, had a, they, they know what's going on. That whole, we're going to evaluate everything and figure it out. Well, they know what the problem is. Just, are we going to do it or not? Like, why would you want to? Yeah, I think it became, I think it became apparent pretty quickly that, yes. okay, there is a problem. Yeah. And then it came down to, do we have the organizational sign-off right. to, to do it? That's that's two years at four plus million dollars like, that you need to pay out for a guy that's not going to coach anymore. Well, and for a team that has been so wishy-washy over the years as far as identity goes. If you want identity, Daryl Sutter has an identity. He's got a brand. You know what you're getting with him, whether you like it or not. You're going to have a, a you're, you're hard-nosed, hard-working, oh, accountable. Yeah. Like, like, that's your identity. But but I've said this before, too. It's like, you know, you, you close your eyes, and, and there, there are certain instances with this hockey club where, you know, in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, you're closing your eyes and think, well, it's Lanny McDonald, it's Mike Vernon, it's Al McKinnis, it's Joe Neuendijk. And then they had a bunch of struggles. And then once again, it's like, well, who's the Calgary Flames? Well, it's Drew McGinley and Mika Kiprasov and Robin Regeer and Rhett Warner and guys like that. And then since 2004, they've had no identity. And now this, since Daryl's been here, their identity is, is Daryl Sutter. And when your coach is your identity, 
and there's no captain on a hockey club, and I didn't think there was a buffer. Like I said, I'm not. I, we all know this. I'm not in the dressing room. I'm not managing the daily, day to day stuff. I fact checked. I'm not sure. Right. I'm not sure if you knew that, but uh, but having said that, you need a guy in there to, because Daryl can be hard on guys, and he but he also has to have a guy he respects that he listens to, where a guy can come in and say, Daryl, hey, settle down here. This is what's going on. I don't think there was that respect on both sides, where Daryl didn't have a guy where he could just kind of go to and get the pulse, and I don't think there was enough. Sp- balls for lack of a better word or spine to go back the other way and say hey no actually i'm fighting for my guys this is what we need to prove it and maybe maybe there was but i just all season long i just didn't see it brent cron's with us uh talking flames with croner here this hour of flames talk underway joining us in studio here in our doug lacy's basement systems downtown studio you now you you didn't play for daryl necessarily but you were at training camps when he was the head coach and, and you were part of the organization uh, for, for a good chunk of his time, both as head coach and general manager. And, you know, when he left the organization the first time, so in December of 2010, when he parted ways or was fired or resigned or however they worded it, uh, when he left as general manager, one of the things that was talked about a lot is the dark cloud that was hanging over the organization and a atmosphere, the culture that had been created, it was very negative. And that's the exact same thing that we were hearing this time around. It just happened a little bit quicker, but that same thing, uh, a black cloud hanging over the team, not fun to come to work and the culture of the organization, not just with the players, but with everybody involved was something that needed to change. So you've had them at training camp before. Like what, why would that be? What, what are the things that makes Daryl Sutter skew negative to award to, to a lot of people. So so Daryl, like and I was also Black Ace, let's not forget, big part of the two thousand four Stanley. I don't Cup think run. they I, get I, as far as they do without you. Well going you gotta late. keep the room lane, right? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, and it I mean it just I didn't want to bring it up, but obviously I did. Did you, you did you have to fly commercial? No, no, I was with the team. This is back so you this, got, this, you this got was to back fly charters? full okay. meal deal. You know, Kippersoff would take three great shots to the glove, and then he'd send one for a nap, and then I would get it and just face headshots from Saprikin and <laughs> Fanoff because I thought it was, you know, whatever. This is, he's never going to play, so we're just going to shoot his face the whole time, right? And that's just kind of how it worked. Daryl is, is an excellent motivator if you don't know him. He, he's an X's and O's guy. He knows more about your style and your play and how you're supposed to operate better than you do nine times out of ten. But him holding you accountable. It's like, you know, when you go to work and you have a boss that just comes over you and just starts, he's just yelling at you all the time. I'm not saying Daryl's yelling at guys, but he's in your face all the time and guys start to check out, right? They do start to check out. You hear the same thing over and over again. Either A, you're not doing your job or B, you're thinking you're doing the job the best of your ability and you're not. And there's other guys that can do it more. And so finally, if everything's a five alarm fire, eventually nothing is. And so you just you just check out. It, it, so that's it, how the tune out happens. Yeah. Well, it's like well, that's how, that's exactly how it is. You can hear it over and over and over and over and over again. Like I get it. And as a player, you may or may not change. That's up to you, right? But if you keep hearing that repeated over and over, and you're coming to the rink, and it's just it's in your face, it's all the time for a, a full season. Plus, right? It works for the first little bit, but it's it's a short life because you you, right. you get to guys. And then there are some that just love it because Daryl cares about his players as much as he's hard and guys say, oh, he, I don't like playing for him. He actually really wants guys to succeed, but he's not going to give you the benefit of the doubt if you're mailing it in or you're trying to take shortcuts or you think you're giving the best you possibly can when there's more to give. It's, it's it, up to him. And so there's guys that like it and there's guys that don't and most don't. And so you start tuning them out because well, I, I I can't come to work like this every day. It's toxic and it it beats me down. I don't want to be here. 
I was going to say in your experiences, is he a guy that will take the time to reinforce the positives or is he always focusing on you did this wrong or you can do this better? It, it, it's, it's remarkable the way in the short experiences that I've had with him throughout my career and talking with him about, like, I, I'll never forget when I was, uh, he called me into the office one summer and I was supposed to back up. Well, I was supposed to, I was, he called me and said, Hey, you're, it's your job to lose. We want you to back up Kippersoff next season. And he's like, what do you, what do you think that that means? Cause Kippersoff is playing 70, 75 games a year. Yeah. And, you know, in my mind, I'm just like, well, I just want to win hockey games. But, you know, like, well, what does that mean? He's like, well, he says, because he would break it down where, you know, my ideal, you, you play between 12 and 18 games, depending on where we are in the schedule, and I need X amount of points from you. It was just, I don't care about your goals against average. I don't care about your save percentage. Yeah. I don't care about none of that. I need wins, right? And he would have everything broken down. And I, and I just remember sitting there thinking, I've never thought of being a goaltender like that. In my mind... I mean, play, playing junior, playing the American League for a while, you're starting, you're just, you're playing every game, you're playing to win. But in my mind, I just want to be a National Hockey League goalie. But in my mind, it's like, well, I'm just going to give Kippersoff a break and, and just do what I can. And I want to win, don't get me wrong. But it was like, it was that mathematical, that calculated. And then right. they went out and they signed Phil Solvay, that, you know, free agency. And, and it was, uh, uh, it screwed with my head, right? Because in my mind, it's like, well, you said this and this. But that's the game, and, and that's what Daryl. It, it's a test, and and it's always a test to see if it was. Now, guys like Aginla, and guys like you know, Regeer had to go through a lot with Daryl too, right? He's a hard player. You know, bunch of guys that have played for him. Kippersoft, do even San Jose, like stuff like that. You kind of got to go through a bit with Daryl to 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 garner and earn that that trust and that respect. And being a new guy coming through, you you don't always get that opportunity with him. And I think that's where a lot of times a lot of young guys kind of get lost. I was going to ask you, because you were a prospect back then. Is that the whole true for veterans coming through the door and, and being Daryl's player for the first time as well? Or did you see that primarily with the young players? It's primarily with the young players. If you have a bit of history in the league, you're going to get a chance because you've been there before. And he doesn't have to kind of, but 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 your leash is very short though too, right? Like you have to perform. You have to, like, I think Walker Dewar did a great job this year with the Flames. Yep. And And to me, he was kind of a Sutter type of player. He worked hard. He finishes checks, good shot, got in the mix, got dirty, and it took a while for him to get there. A guy like Pelche is not that player. So for him, he's going to have to work quite a bit harder to get on, and he's a top two-line guy, whereas Dewar's a 3-4 guy. But, yeah. you know, it just, he gravitates towards those types of players, but then you also have a, 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 a tremendously skilled player, and he's all behind him too. But it, it, it takes time, and, and there's, you have to prove it. And, and a lot of times now, I mean, you, you, you get paid the contract you get. You're expected to be top two. Here, let's go. You know, and, 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 and Huberdeau's playing wing now all of a sudden, and he's trying to do this. And it's just, and like, once again, this is just all my opinion. This has nothing to do with it. Right. Just where are you at? Can, can you adapt? And maybe you can't. But come tell me you can't adapt. You know? Oh, you're playing left wing? Well, I'm a centerman. Well, this is, we only got room for you on left wing. Well, okay. So do what you can. If you can't play left wing, tell them. Screw you. This is a stupid idea. <laughs> I want to play center. Well, that's the 30 games Huberto spent on right wing instead yeah, of left. You've been a but, left but, winger but, his whole but, life. I mean, how much? I mean, maybe he was passive aggressive. Maybe he was pouty. But I, I, maybe he went into the dressing room and said, Daryl, this doesn't work. And Daryl said, nope, this is how it's going to be. Who knows? But I just, it takes, a, uh, uh, it takes a lot to get to that point, though, too, where you have that respect. You can just go into that dressing room and say, hey, this isn't working and have a conversation. 
And, it, and it's a hard thing to do, putting your, being vulnerable and putting yourself online and saying, hey, you know what, I'm not good here, or I want this, or I want that. But that transparency, that, that direct line of communication, I just don't think that there's a lot of guys in that room, aside from fighting for other guys, there's not a lot of, this isn't working. You, uh, when, cause you, you're, you're our age, you're, uh, you did what, just turned 41? I did. Oh, you, you, you obviously hockey DB'd me before I showed up. Well, no, I he know, you, I know, your, I know yeah. your birthday. Like I know your birth date and I know you're an April birthday and I know that we're in May. So I did the math in my head. So well I done. believe you're 41 now. I am. Yes. The, um, the athlete of today though, like there's a lot of talk about what a coach needs to be or how a coach needs to go about his or her business with today's athlete and how to connect connect with that athlete and and I I wonder if you know like even even go back a decade ago a little more than a decade ago when Daryl's went in a Stanley Cup or two with the LA Kings I think that his style was a little bit more effective but now as salaries continue to escalate and more and more professional athletes are like independent contractors I feel like that when you're like, well, I'm I'm about to make, and I, we're using Huberto because he's the most public example. But I just put myself in in Huberto's shoes. I'm like, okay, well, I'm about to make ten and a half million dollars here, kind of like the franchise player on this team. Why do I have to put up with this guy treating me the way that I don't want to be treated? And I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I'm just saying that there's more and more. I think the way that you relate to today's athlete. And the way that they go about their business is really important as well when looking at a new head coach. You know, I just, I look at that as being just exhausting to try to coach to individuals. And that's what they tell you now is everybody's different and you have to take your time and then get to know. Right, under, it's so uh, different under, than when you play, Understand right? your player. And there's 22 or 21 players out there and I got to understand all these guys. Goalie stop pucks, defensemen, there's offensive and defensive defensemen. You have your responsibilities. You have your top two lines. You got your power play. There's expectations set forward. And then to have to manage how guys operate. And the, and the good coaches, they, they, they understand their guys. Not all of them, but they understand their top guys. They understand the important guys. Like You don't have to score 50 goals a year to be an important player on your hockey team. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to be uh, Eric Carlson and score a million points on defense to be an important defenseman, right? They, there, are, there are keys to success, and then you hold those guys to a certain standard, and it kind of trickles down to the other players that are not there. But, well, if he's treating whatever Giordano like this, well, I got to keep myself in line too, but, but you have to pay attention. And, and, and so what works for one doesn't work for the other. And if I, I, I just have always gravitated, gravitated towards, well, it's almost, I didn't have to like you, but I had to respect you. And if I was kind of a bit scared of you and you yeah. had a bit of a temper and you came in and got in my face and started yelling at me and kind of exposed me, I would, I would just work harder to prove that you're wrong and you're an idiot and I hate you. You know, you know what I mean. And, and that's, out of spite, out of spite, right? And I don't know if you're any, any if there's any Seinfeld buffs out here. But oh you, but, yeah. But, but you can't return a suit out of spite, just so you know. <laughs> and true. and I'm sorry, uh, sir. <laughs> you already said spite, so I'm sorry. We can't return the jacket. But that was all. The, the whole it's thing was method. is trying to shove it up his. You know what? Yeah. Because well, this guy doesn't get me. And then you get a pat in the back all of a sudden. And say, hey, good job, good good job tonight. And you're like. It was that was your validation. It was like wow, like that comes like twice a year, and you kind of got there. Now everybody's—I mean, not everybody, but for most guys—they want to be patted on the back right away. They want to the keys to the, it. Just—it's a different mentality. Positive reinforcement. Yeah, right. And all you're doing—you're doing the best you can. 
you know what, you're terrible at hockey, but you know what, you're just trying your best. And you know, you tied feel your you sk- looked at me directly yeah, yeah. when you said that. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you, you you know, you tied your skates today. Hey, great job, right? Like you know, and and to me, that kind of stuff just drives me insane. It's like, why do you need a compliment for doing your job? You, 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 that's your job, and 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 it gets old and it gets boring because even playing the National Hockey League, making millions of dollars, sleeping on a pile of cash at night. Um, you do that for a long time. It's a job, right? Doesn't matter what you don't know any better, right. but it's you're still showing up to the rink. You're, you're still having. It's a issues. great job, but it's a job. But it's a job. And so to have a guy that's going to be there and just keep telling you how awesome you are, the coach has the shortest life of all of you, really. So uh, do what? Do I want to make friends with you and tell you you're great and give you a back every time that you are having a bad day? Or do or do I get to know a handful of guys and understand who? I, if I was a coach, I would just get to know the, who's 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 the the pulse of the team. And and work with him, but I just don't think you had that captain this year with the Flames that had the pulse of the team. Right. You, had, you had a bunch of individuals that were upset and hated it here, and all they did is passively aggressively cry that they didn't like being here because Daryl was mean. Interesting. As I and I, I think about like I was thinking about you talking there, and I think about now you and your business, and you're very much a relationships guy, right? Yes. And you kind of have to cater your approach to whoever you're talking to. And that's kind of, and I think of, I think of, like, I, I think of the really successful head coaches in this day and age. I think of Sheldon Keefe or John Cooper or Rod Brindamore and guys like that who. Leave Keefe out of it for just a little while. Just He's had a lot of success though. Like even though they, they have only won four playoff games here and I, he's had a lot of success in the regular season. And I don't think that's just by accident. And I don't think they all of a sudden just tune them out come playoff time. I agree. But it seems like these guys are all able to create pretty strong relationships with their players. And so I, I'm not saying that, I mean, look, you got Lindy Ruff in the second round as well. And Lindy Ruff is more of the throwback coach, right? So I'm not saying that it's one way or the other. I just, I think it's definitely evolved over the last 15, 20 years. Who do you think, who do you think, uh, Runs the Oilers, is it McDavid or is it Woodcroft, right? Who do you think runs the Leafs? Is it Matthews or is it Keefe? Whereas in New York, or sorry, New York, New Jersey, you got a bunch of good players there, but they got a, they, but Lindy Ruff, he's he's got that. Jack team. Hughes isn't quite there yet, right? Yeah. And so you're so I mean you have McDavid he gets 153 points in a season, and you know you're gonna sit there and say, well, it's you know Woodcroft understands him. And he's like, well, I'd understand him too. <laughs> you know, I, I, I understand I, that he yeah. does whatever he wants. Right. Flames haven't had that guy that's a game breaker. They have to do it by committee. And if you do it by committee, you got to get coached as committee. And you don't have a number one. And, and you know, maybe Lucic could have been that bridge, and we don't know about it because he's got that experience with Daryl. And maybe, you know, there's so many things we don't know, but just my judgmental brain watching <clears throat> the team. <laughs> Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All I'm doing is sitting there analyzing everything. I'm like, that's dumb. What's going on here? That makes sense. You guys are idiots. Stop crying. All that kind of stuff. But nowadays, it's like, well, we got to get it all out. We got to sort it. Like, why would, you know, Don Maloney is like, well, we got to interview everybody and figure out what's going on. Well, you know what's going on. 100%. It's been, you you played 82 games this year, and you, you got to interview everybody at the end of the season to figure out what's happening. Were you surprised when he didn't endorse Daryl? No. In that, or... No, and when he the second he didn't, did your opinion change? Like you said, you were surprised. I was surprised to let him go. I just yeah. assumed he was there. So that's the second tree was gone. I was like, right. okay, well, Daryl's gone. Okay, so I just assumed Daryl was going to take the the GM role, and they were going to find a coach, or he's going to keep coaching and find a GM that could double as an assistant coach. You know what I mean? Like, 
that's that was just my fanboy opinion. Um, and then, well, we talked to everybody, and they said they didn't like Daryl. And I, I mean, did he come out and say that, or did he just said? Well, basically, to- basically, what he said was that in interviewing Daryl and debriefing with him and talking to all the different people that he spoke to, he realized that coach like this. The way that he approaches things has a shelf, shelf life, life, and the shelf life had expired is basically yeah. well, he's, what he said. He's not wrong, but it's a pretty short shelf life second time around. Yes. Right? Yeah, shortest one that he's had so far. <laughs> right. So, Two and a half seasons. Yeah. One of those was a shortened season. Right. So you're you're going with, the, you're, you're siding with the players on this one. Fair enough. That's yeah. a decision. You make a decision. They made one. Kron's with us. Two more for you. What do you think this does? Because we know how Daryl goes about running his goaltenders. How does this change the way goaltending might look for the group this season with a new coach coming in? Well, I I don't think he'll keep going back to Markstrom if he struggles. I don't. Like this, I think it was a lost opportunity on the coaching staff's point of view uh, when Vladar was, you know, not losing games for a while and they didn't go back to him. Like they're not back to back, but back to back to back. They didn't let him have a bad game and then not go back to him because right. Markstrom couldn't stop a beach ball for a while, and it happens. But they kept going to Markstrom, and, that, and then that's old school mentality. I like it too. Like, like even in the playoffs, you know, you, you're watching New Jersey kind of go back and forth between two goaltenders. If you have, you know, two, I mean, and, and I can't remember who said this, but if you have two goaltenders going into the playoffs, you kind of have none. And I'm of the opinion too, you kind of need a clear-cut starter. Regular season, you can work your way through it. You saw Allmark and Swayman in Boston. You know, they're, they, they, were unbelievable. And then you see them in the playoffs and it just, you know, they, they had their, their, well, Allmark had his, had, had his hiccups for sure. Um, I would see that you would be more of a platoon system if Markstrom struggles out of the gate. And I think you might see Wolf get an opportunity here or there. And that's what I was wondering about. Cause then, and we'll, we'll, we'll wrap on talking about Wolf and then you can give your, uh, your playoff observations as well. But, and you got Wolf, and, and look, they still got to get out of this this round against Abbotsford. They had an opportunity on Wednesday night to to win. They did not. They lost 3-2, so it's now a 2-1 series lead for the Wranglers in that best of five. But you, know, you mix in what Wolf did this year in the American League, his two years down there, the fact that there seems to be a pretty large understanding that he can't just be in the American League next year. Uh, I'm I'm really curious how the plan changes for him, and then you throw on top of that the fact that he could be going on a long playoff run here. So there's uh, there's a lot of intrigue when it comes to the way the goaltending might get used, but specifically how Wolf might get more of an opportunity now with a different coach. And at the end of the day, and you guys can correct me on the con- uh, contractual status of Wolf, but the Flames own him. Yes. Yeah. They're, so, they're in no, for a significant in, period of time. For a significant period got, of they've time. They've still got a number of so years So the left Flames there. are in absolutely zero. There's not a gun to the back of their head to Definitely figure out not. what's going on. And what I'd like to see him do is win a Calder Cup because then he can just say, I've just, I've done it all. What more do I have to do for you clowns to just like, but, oh, well, you know, we got Marks from here for another three years. We got Vladar that's just starting his two year, another two year extension. So I'm sorry, you know, you're going to go back to the American League and there's nothing you can do about it. And you don't have to clear waivers and you can go back there and just, when we need you, we'll call you. And I can't imagine that's going to be the case. But there is, that, that's not a number one priority for the Flames right now, right? And, I'd like to see the Flames get rid of Ladar. Not saying he's a bad goaltender. I'd like to see them make room for Wolf. I really would. Whether he deserves it. I mean, he played one game at the end of the season this year. I didn't think he'd even get it, but that's only because the Flames didn't have they a... They were out. They were out. 
and it was more of a courtesy and people played fine and and so you can take a gamble i mean i think that happened with cam ward too when he was in i think when they won the uh, the stanley cup in carolina where yeah. he did really didn't have nhl experience but they just kind of said hey you know what you're gonna be the backup guy and you and martin gerber are gonna be the guys for the rest of the season and uh and i think now that with with daryl not being there that might be that could become more of a possibility not saying daryl was a roadblock in dustin wolf's career path but having said that young players unproven players don't get as much of an opportunity you might get something for Vidar, and Dustin Wolf's kind of done all he can do, and I'd like to see the Flames make room for him next season. Four straight goalie of the year awards for various gross? leagues. He's That's been gross. That, bad, that, that right? is, that is, and he's 22. And I mean, technically, you can lump in a CHL goalie yes. of the year on top of that right. as well, so five goalie of the year awards in four seasons. You know what, but I don't think he's got a duffel bag for rookie of the month. Just so you know, I got one of those in 1999 in November, and I still have it. Is that available on eBay right now? No, no, yeah, I can't sell that. Okay. It's uh, there, there's no monetary value that would let me get rid of that thing. It, uh, it, it holds a lot of my old VHS tapes. Be making glove saves in the 99. Full splits. Full splits. Yeah. It was an agile. It was an agile big man. Yeah, yeah. he is shocking. Yeah. Still is terrifying. What? Uh, okay. What? Just quickly, playoff observations. Anything that's jumped out at you so far? Uh, you know, you know, <sighs> refing. Okay. Is 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 unfortunately jumping to the forefront of a lot of it. Power plays. Um, you don't see, you're not, there's a lot of 10 minute misconducts when games are out of hand with like 10 minutes left in the third period. I mean, that's all the negative stuff. Um, I did not see Florida beating Boston. I did not see Kachuk being as dominant as he was there. It's actually kind of nice to see. I didn't think Tampa Bay would get past Toronto, even though I hate the Leafs. I was hoping that they would die a horrible death. There it is. Yeah. They came through, and, and their goaltender in Game Six, Samsonov or Samsonov or however you're supposed to pronounce it, I thought he was stellar. Yeah. He didn't he didn't play six fantastic games, but he played four that were really good, and he made some key saves. And Vasilevsky was tired. That team's tired. Um, Seattle beating Colorado too. That was uh, Grubauer has been 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 actually better than I thought. And Brassois, like he is such a block in net. Everything that he does is ugly. It just <laughs> it is so ugly. <laughs> And you watch him make saves and bad rebounds, and he's just a block moving a, around. A blocker, not a stopper. Oh, yeah. You don't man. get, you don't have very many of those guys left in this. No, league. you don't. Jaguar. It's like, I was just gonna say, Jaguar. He just everything just hit him in the neck, and then the, and the bad rebound, and he'd make the save. And you know, I, I I'm obviously from Southern Manitoba, so I was cheering for the Jets, and that team's in turmoil too. I was disappointed in, in everybody on that hockey club, mm-hmm. but. I'm not cheering for Vegas, but I'm obviously not cheering for. I'm, I was shocked that when Campbell went in in relief of Skinner against LA, whatever it was, game three or four, or whatever it was, game four, and he did good. Yeah, oh, and was, then they went back to Skinner, which I was, I was I was blown away actually because, but I I was happy they did. I thought they made the right in, call. I just wasn't sure opinion, they were going to. Did he do good or did he make saves? He because saves. he looked a little wishy washy oh, to me. But I'm going to defer to you. He was guessing on everything. That first stop he made, it was like rolling up his arm, then you know rolling behind him, and it, it just yeah, like there's no zero confidence. But he got the job done. They won the game, and thank God. And we're going back to Skinner, and he he basically earned his five million dollars a season. In that one game, yeah. they'll never go back to him unless they absolutely have to, or the game is is out of hand. Save the series for him, but he did quite literally. He, yeah. he really did, um, and that's really about it. I haven't been completely blown away yet by by absolutely anything. I'm disappointed the Rangers are out because it's just it's fun to watch the Rangers on TV with the building and yeah, you know uh, Shesterkin's equipment and you know they they were top, they were they were top heavy with Tarasenko and Kane and 
all of them and they just mailed it in. I got to ask you about Akira Schmidt though. He played in the USHL two years ago and now he's starting. Isn't that awesome? Isn't but that's but they go to him and he played well and he played in some high pressure situations and took over for Vanacek, who was he was awful. Yep. He comes in and they beat the Rangers. Like that's what like, winning the Stanley Cup in New Jersey and a shutout in Game Seven, right? And then he, he plays Game One, and he, I think the, the the Devils were the only team that you know won Game Seven that came out and laid an egg against in, in their first game back. Because Seattle beat Dallas yep. Game One, they played Game Seven, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, no, and then I mean Carolina's built like they're built to to win. And Florida's uh, the other team you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, right. And Bobrovsky. I mean, I don't trust that guy. As far as you know, he's worth $10 million. He, he, he's he's a $10 million goalie if he wants to be. But I think the water just off the coast of Florida is probably about a nice balmy 75 degrees right now. And I can imagine he just wants <laughs> to sit on a yacht and smoke a cigar and drink some vodka and hang out, right? Like him and Vasilevsky's probably texting him right now. Say, hey, man, boat's ready to go. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Wrap, wrap this up. Uh, we should wrap this up. Uh, Brent Cron, our NHL goaltending expert. Thank you, pal. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on for a change. It's great. We've done it. That's what we did, we did we it last do last two week. weeks we ago. Didn't do, we didn't do it last week. Well, we'll do it again. Uh, Brent Cron, Vickers Steinberg here in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They have a lasting solution to keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They're all things basement Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Thanks to Brent Cron for joining us in studio this hour of Flamestock. Always is a highlight of Aaron Vickers' week. It should be the highlight of everybody's week. Let's be honest. I mean, other than the time I get to spend with you. Like, let's not no, fool not ourselves highlight. there. Ask many people. That's not a highlight. Um... Here are a few texts. Uh, this says Kron's right. Love his take. I don't know exactly which take that was referring to. Just the whole thing. Whole thing. Uh, this, we were talking about personalities and, and the difference now of a coach relating to personalities, so on and so forth. This says uh, that's why there are multiple assistant coaches to help manage all the player personalities nowadays. Um, this reads, Daryl's a boomer and no one wants to deal with a boomer anymore. I don't think that that... Look... Again, Lindy Ruff, kind of the same vintage as Daryl, and, and Lindy and the Devils are in round two, and Daryl and the Flames are in round two. I don't think I don't think there's any one thing that is the reason why it ended up where they are. And is part of it on Daryl's shoulders? Absolutely, of course. But a breakdown in communication or butting heads or things not being on the same page, that's not just on the coach. There's always another party responsible too. So Jonathan Huberdo and Alan Walsh bear some responsibility for that not being on the same page. And Nazem Kadri bears some responsibility for him and Daryl not seeing eye to eye. And, and so does anyone else where that was the case. The problem is when they're, when you're talking about common denominators or you're talking about things that clearly need to change, when you've got all around the organization saying this is a bit of a problem, well then that's not to absolve blame or responsibility from some of the other parts, but there's the one thing that you can clearly change and, and that's what they decided to do. Yeah. Just because the ax fell on Daryl Sutter doesn't mean the problem was 100% Daryl Sutter. It takes two to tango, two to dance, whatever cliche you want to use but there's two parties involved in this maybe even three if you want to expand it to the management side of things 
you've got a lot of moving parts in an NHL organization. And just because one leaves doesn't absolve the other. And now it's truly going to be on the players, whether that's Jonathan Huberto, Nazem Kadri, whoever else you want to throw out there. They got their wish or they've, that their demand was met or the answer to what they thought was what went wrong is now gone. It's going to be way more on the players than the incoming head coach to write the ship now. This text says, so happy Croner was on today with a fresh perspective. I think there's a lot of broken parts on the Flames, from ownership to management to coaching to leadership to egos. I don't think it was all Daryl's fault, and the fingers shouldn't just be pointed at Daryl. The, there are several significant parts of this franchise that need to take accountability, and I think there's no doubt about that, um, and no doubt about that being why we are where we are. Steinberg and Vickers along with you as this hour continues. Uh, more Flames World Championship news. Uh, we told you last week that it was trending in this direction and that uh, you should keep your eye on it, that it was probably going to happen. We confirmed it for you on Wednesday, but uh, now made official by Team USA. Matt Coronado is officially going to the World Championship in Finland and Latvia for Team USA. Uh, he's the only Flames player for Team USA going. I believe... Um, they approached three roster players for Team USA, Hannafin, Coleman, Coleman. and Trevor Lewis. Um, but uh, I believe that Coleman was nursing some things throughout the year, so he's really he, And he made forward. reference to that in his, his exit interview Just wanted to have a full yeah. offseason, so he, I, I think that he needs some time to get right, maybe some procedures, nothing major, but was nursing some things that, that he'll take the summer to get over. Uh, I think the same is true on Hannafin and Lewis doesn't have a contract for next year. So I think that's, uh, that was part of the hesitation as to Lewis not going. So I believe those three were all approached by team USA. Um, none of those three will go, but Matt Coronado will go, which is a really neat opportunity for him to keep on playing. Absolutely. And there's a lot of different wrinkles to Matt Coronado going, just looking at the roster and looking at the situation. I think it would have been cool if there was a veteran flame skater with him, whether that had been a Hannafin or a Coleman, or even to a lesser degree, Lewis, who is an unrestricted free agent, maybe mentor him a bit, get him a, a little feel for the organization, if you will, and just a little bit of guidance, some familiarity when he returns to training camp in the fall. That didn't happen, so be it. But there's also a really interesting Harvard connection because he's going with two teammates that also just turned pro in Henry Thrun and Farrell. Farrell being his line mate at Harvard. Yeah, Sean Farrell, Henry Sean Farrell. Thrun. Those guys signed entry-level deals in a similar situation as Matt Coronado. Now they're being reunited with Team USA. And this is going to be a really interesting team. This is a young team. Their average age is just over 30, or pardon me, 24, with 35-year-old Nick Benino being the elder statesman, kind of boosting that average a little bit. They're at 22. I think they named 22 right now, so there's still a chance at some addition, uh, additional players going. But this isn't actually, this isn't just a, hey, we want you around USA Hockey or, you know, you're going to skate as our 13th forward. The opportunity is there. They've only got five NHLers up front. Alex Tuck's going to be their number one forward. Connor Garland's going to be a top line player. But then you got Benino, Anders Bork, Drew O'Connor, who could, in theory, just play the depth roles, third, third line roles, fourth line roles. There's a lot of top six spots available on this team. Wouldn't surprise me to see Matt Coronado be given an expanded role as opposed to when you're kind of thinking about him going before, depending on what NHLers decide to show up. Maybe he's on the outside a little bit looking in. There's a strong chance that he's going to be 
in a very sort of high-profile offensive team role USA, for Team USA. Team USA likes to use their younger guys yeah. and give them high-leverage work in this tournament, and it's a really good opportunity for USA Hockey to see how they do internationally, playing with men, and then it puts them on the radar for Olympic teams down the road and, and for best-on-best best competition down the road. So, yeah, I'm expecting Coronado to, to get some time and to get some opportunity, and uh, I'm curious to see how that plays out. But good for him. That's a neat opportunity for Coronado. He'll go for Team USA. And, and more than anything else, like just the experience of having a shorter offseason. Um, and cause that's, that's more like the NHL. You only played the one NHL game. You play a limited schedule in college. So now to play more games, it's not quite like an NHL season because you have these long breaks breaking it all up. But I just think it's a little bit closer to the workload that would go along with being in the NHL. So I think that's important and can really get him into the off season, feeling good about where he is confident about his game. Um, you know, he got into his one game, looked good in his NHL debut in a meaningless game, 82, not able to join the Wranglers, which would have been ideal, but yeah. that's just not the way that the CBA works. So gets to go and represent his country and, what you play five round robin games, six round robin games, depending. Like you play, I think it's seven because there's 16 teams in total, 16 countries going, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so, so you'd you play every team once in your own pool. So like that'd they, be seven games before the world championship does not mess around no, when it comes to games. Everybody's invited, and and it is, it ain't the world juniors where you only play the three or four round robin games. It ain't the Olympics. Well, even the U18s that just happened had 10 teams total. This one's got 16. This is when you get the Hungaries. You're going to get Hungary, France, Denmark. Denmark doesn't really necessarily fall into that equation for me because they've produced a lot of NHLers. Kazakhstan, Slovenia, Norway. Well, and though over there... Like getting to the world championship at the men's level, like the not like the uh, over twenty level, the top level, and being in the top not world being division one A one B yeah like being in the number one world championship bracket, it's a huge deal. Like t- countries like Kazakhstan or Norway or France, like this is the they know that they're not going to win the thing, but Hungary's pinnacle is getting to this thing and being one of the 16 teams that plays. So, yeah, he'll get some time. Uh, we know that uh, Tafoli Lucic, Uyghur going for Team Canada. Uh, they have not officially announced their initial Still roster not yet. yet. But we, uh, D- Darren Dreger had that out there. So Tafoli Lucic, and Uyghur going. The most interesting guy there is Lucic. So that's four flames. Coronado, Lucic, Uyghur, Toffoli, all going to the world. Maybe more, we'll see. But Lucic is the one. I think Toffoli and Uyghur, awesome. Both coming like Uyghur was just finding his game in the second half of the season. So he gets to continue that. And Toffoli's coming off a career year. Was great from start to finish. Milan looking to showcase himself. I don't think there's any doubt about that. You know, he's got a, he's now on an expiring contract and looking to find work again in the NHL. And I think he will regardless of going, but here's a really good opportunity for a guy who loves to play and just loves the game and hasn't been to a lot of international competitions recently. There's a, I, I can see exactly why Milan Lucic is thinking of, well, not thinking about going, but is going. Well, and there's the, also all the opportunity to get the families together and go on vacation. He, the Lucic's and the Toffoli's reuniting, getting back together, having a party. Boys going together.
Um, outside of what I believe was the Super Series in junior when he was a member of the Vancouver Giants, Milan Lucic has never represented Canada internationally. So this is, this to is me, really this cool would be a bucket list thing for, for Milan Lucic, 100%. God, he didn't do World Juniors. No, he, he ended up, he, I believe, I was talking with Flames Talk family member Wes Gilbertson Wednesday night, specifically about Milan Lucic and going to the World Championship. He was the captain of that eight-game Super Series against Russia back in, I can't remember if it was the summer of 2007 or summer of 2008. And he was supposed to be the captain of the World the Junior Team. Of 07, I believe. But then he made and the Bruins. And then he made the, the Bruins. Yeah. And so, so it was his, the summer of 07. So now he gets to pull on the Team Canada jersey for uh, like, technically the first time, I guess, if you want to exclude that Super Series. I mean, it, that's got to be a bucket list for a yeah. bucket list item. I'm actually pretty happy for the guy and an opportunity to showcase himself going into a season where he doesn't have a contract. Steinberg Vickers along with you as we start to wrap up this hour of Flames Talk. Thank you very much uh, for being with us. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Worried about radon? They install custom mitigation systems to reduce your risk. To find out more, visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show.